You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! All right, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, a good, I'd say a potential good friend of mine. We met a while back at NAMM, um, and we got to know each other over the past year or so. And I would like to welcome Arun Bali from the band Saves the Day. He's a composer, he's a musician, songwriter, all-around talented guy. Welcome to the show, Arun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'd consider us good friends. Yeah. Well, hey, man. I, you know, I just didn't want to. Assume. Fast friends. Yeah. I, <laughs> that that would have been really awkward. I'm like, you know, I consider him a really good friend. You're like, <laughs> make it easy, dude. <laughs> well, pump the brakes, buddy. <laughs> Acquaintances at best. Um, where where are you talking to me from? Where where are you located right now? I am at my studio here in Nashville, Tennessee. And how long have you lived in Nashville? I moved here uh, in 2012. So it's been, it'll be nine years in June. And um, that's crazy to think about. It's the longest I've lived anywhere that's not Detroit. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, it, it happens fast, right? Yeah, I mean... The first few years I was here, I was touring so much. So like I was, so the first two years I was definitely kind of in and out a lot. And it wasn't until like 2015, I think we were um, taking a break after a bunch of touring. And it's really when I got to get settled in here and uh, sort of figure out what it is I was trying to accomplish here. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you and I have talked off air quite a bit about, you know, this past year and how strange everything has been. Can you kind of discuss what you have been doing on your end to kind of pivot and, and move forward? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, um, so at, at the start of 2020, uh, I guess at the start more of the pandemic, which I guess, you know, was March, you know, we knew this thing was going to be, I had the feeling that this was going to be bad. I didn't, I didn't share the arrogance of a lot of other Americans that this couldn't happen here, but like, I felt like this was going to be bad. And it was funny flying. We, we were going to start a tour with Third Eye Blind. And we flew out to Seattle, of all places. That was when it was ground zero. Uh, we still, nobody was wearing masks yet. We were just social distancing and washing hands and could still have gatherings. So, you know, we were like hoping that the tour was going to happen. Uh, and then the morning of the first show, just like Domino's, all the, all the venues started canceling because, you know, it just it, clearly this thing was getting out of control. So then I flew home to Nashville and, uh, you know, it was just a couple months of 
existential dread and just trying to figure out like, you know, what the fuck. There was just a lot of soul searching as far as like what, like how I wanted to proceed. I knew this was like, like I knew we're, I mean, we're going to get out of this eventually, you know, life's going to resume and whatever, whatever normal, whatever that normal is, it's, it, you know, stuff is going to happen again. But, you know, it, there were, it just kind of gave me the time to like sit back and just, uh, just figure out how I wanted to proceed with my career. And I was able to, you know, make a lot of decisions that I felt like I'd been putting off. I felt like kind of, tr- you know, trying all these parallel paths. And it just came down to me like saying like, like, well, what makes me happy? Cause you know, you can see that like at the flick of a switch, we can all just be like out of work and unable to go and play music. And, you know, what's to say another pandemic wouldn't happen in the future. Like, you know, it was a lot of just figuring out and like making, I guess not hard choices, but just like, just trying to find things that like bring me joy at this point. I just want to enjoy what I'm doing and be creatively challenged. And, and so for me that ended up like, you know, as well as doing the band and and just being in bands and loving, like I'll never not want to do that stuff. I want to make music with friends and and create records and stuff. But, you know, I was, I was doing composing for like TV, uh, for commercials mostly and then also producing and, and mixing. And last year, the only work I was getting was composer work. Thankfully, I was getting composer work and I was getting getting to work on some ad stuff that um, I ended up winning a couple, which was great. And just getting after like, I think it was like starting in uh, July, August, some of the work started coming back in. But I also realized then I was like, I don't enjoy the advertising thing um, as much. Uh, but I was, I was able to get an opportunity working more in like the TV film side. And uh, I'm working as a, um, an, uh, an associate composer for uh, this uh, composer collective here called Cake and Space, uh, which is this guy, Matt Mahaffey, uh, who was in a great band called Self. And it's just oh. a monster. I'm working with their, their company, his company now. And um, it's been a fucking dream. So um yeah. Uh, so there, you know, in, in, out of all that dread and just sort of figuring out what, what I was going to do, like some things did pivot and sort of worked out in a way that's, I feel like I'm on a trajectory now that is both challenging and also super enjoyable. And it'll allow me to just, you know, create music with my friends, like having the studio and just the ability to do that whenever I want. That's awesome. That's sort of the long, it's a very long winded answer to that, but it's, uh, you know, I was just kind of reliving it all in my head. As I was saying. <laughs> it was a long year. It's weird. That it's 2021 now. Cause you're like, Oh, that blew by, but it wasn't when you were sitting there in pajamas for nine months. I've heard people refer to January, 2021 as the 13th month of 2020. Cause it feels very similar. You know, the funny, I was thinking about this, um, every Wednesday this month has been just insane. Because you had January 6th, obviously, the uh, attack on the Capitol, which is just, I mean, holy shit. Like, these fucking people. The next week was the impeachment, second impeachment. The next Wednesday was the inauguration. And yesterday was GameStop. You know, it's just, like, crazy. The thing, the GameStop thing is fucking, it's fucking hilarious and awesome. But. Yeah, pretty crazy. Very complex story. Can't get enough of it. 
you mentioned a little bit ago that things will eventually get back to some sense of normality again whatever that new normal is we we will eventually get there but i i'm very curious what you think specifically someone like you who you know you're you're a veteran of this this industry you've been in a band most of your life and you've been in a pretty prominent band for a long time and i think you have some insight to what it's like to actually be on the other side of like you know being a, a 19 year old kid that wants to make it in a band or wants to make it in the music industry or just make it in anything for that matter and you've seen what it's like to do real tours play you know play real shows make actual records that actual people listen to and get paid to do it now with this current state that we're in and again this won't last forever what are some tips that you would give up and coming people that are that either want to be in a band or want to even be a music producer anything to do with what you and i do what do you think they should be doing right now i that's a that's a great question some of the conversations we've had about uh like the use of social media and all that like all that promotion stuff i feel like there's enough sort of tips on how people can you know you can people can figure younger people can figure that shit out better than i can so i you know i gotta i gotta resort to their advice the one thing that'll never never change is that i think i think like getting an attitude of like you can't control what's not in your control. You can't control how people perceive your art. Whatever things that are in your control, such as like, if you wanna be, you know, a great guitar player, if you wanna be a great songwriter, it's like the, it's like what Tenacious D said, focus on your fucking craft, you know? Like quit, you know, yeah, just get good at what you wanna do. like. The other stuff, the clicks and the likes and all that is all just fleeting. Um, but if you're just, I think, just got to be true to, to, to that in your, in your art and your craft. And like, you know, I think that's, that's always the advice I like to give people. Like, you know, as far as like how to get your music heard and all that, like, I feel that's always like changing. And, and, and sometimes it just, it just happens like in ways you're like, I don't know how that happened. I've almost, it almost never works out in a way where it's like, okay, we've got this plan and it's going to like, do you know what I'm saying? Like you want to be a great producer. You want to be a great mixer or whatever. It's like, you know, if you want to be a good songwriter, write a song every day. If you're writing killer songs, everything else will just have, you know, come your way. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Like you can't. It's hard to admit that too, for a lot of people. It is. I said that was another realization this year. I was just like, you know, getting back to like why I got into this. I just, you know, I was practicing guitar like six, seven hours a day in March. It was another great consequence of this. Like, you know, I hadn't been able to do that in years. Um, and I'd felt like in way plateaued, I plateaued in, in, in my playing in a lot of ways, uh, it, to, to my, you know, by my standards. And, uh, yeah, I made some awesome breakthroughs. Got better at slide and finger picking. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's nothing can ever. That's that's always it's always going to come down to that. Just like focus on your craft. Yeah, I, I love that advice. And and I also, I mean, I guess to kind of to expand on that, do you, do you think that someone starting a band now in this current thing we're in? 
is that all they should be doing? Because obviously you can't try to play shows. You can't be in any public capacity as an artist right now. Not really. I mean... Yeah, that's tough. I mean, so obviously with a band like Saves, you know, there's it's like, okay, we can, you know, we can go away for a little bit. And then when we're ready to come back and do stuff, we'll have people there. It's so that's that's a luxury. I, I you know, but, you know, like, for instance, I had this other project that I'm I'm trying to do. And like, that's just on hold until like we're all vaccinated and can, you know, can feel because none of us live in the same city. So, you know, it requires some travel and, and other stuff. We're just like, well, if the vaccines are around the corner, let's just wait for that. And then we'll get in a room and do it. Like, that's a harder question to answer. I've seen a lot of bands doing Patreons and, and the live stream thing. And, and that works better if you're an existing band, because you can, you can draw, you can get people to come and to subscribe or, you know, want to see that. So it's just finding like whatever opportunity you're in. It's like, there's a book, uh, there's this great guitar book that uh, this guy, Mick Goodrick wrote. And at the end of it, he's got all these like little Zen musings and he talks about regret and he talks about like, think about like from the perspective of a guitar player, for instance, like if I'm on tour and I'm like, feels great playing all these shows, but I really wish I had more time to practice and then you're at home and you got all this time to practice like man i really would love to play a fucking show right now and it's just like just getting yourself into the mentality of like this is the situation i'm in like what do how do i make the best of it and for like a lot of songwriters i know that's been really hard because like you know people aren't feel like a lot of my friends are like yeah i haven't written shit i don't feel inspired i get that you know for me if i'm feeling like in a rut like i'll just learn songs or learn new things and just just think of it from like that perspective of like a student sometimes i'll stumble upon something that way in that situation you're in just you know there's always something you can get better at there's no real excuse there are life excuses and like you know i understand that this is tough for people that you know i was talking about this with some with with another friend earlier about like i wonder how many people are just like given up on it after this you know it's it's tough there's just really nothing to compare it to that we've never experienced anything like this and it's not just like a couple people it's like the whole world has had the rug pulled out from under us and with the exception of a few selfish artists that want to go out and you know rip gigs in front of people yeah we've all we're all kind of in the same boat regardless of what level regardless of what level anyone's at it's been the most bizarre thing Ever. Like I asked you the other day, like, are you got producers? Are they working and, and, and making records? And it's it's good to hear that people are finding a way to. Yeah, and I, I don't think people fully appreciate how profound this moment has been. Maybe maybe they do. I mean, from what I I gather, most people think this happens ever so often, and, and this will blow over, and that's partly true. But this has been so impactful in ways that, man, this is gonna have like a decade or more effect, probably longer. Like you said, you can't compare this to really anything. Nothing we've experienced. Exactly, exactly. I think you're onto something like focusing on the things you can control isn't just good advice. I think it's, it's the only thing you should be doing. What else is there? Yeah, what else is there? I don't know. I just, you gotta find, find some comfort in the discomfort. There's a lot of things that I, I'm very grateful for. And I realize like, 
but I'm fortunate to have experienced the things that I have experienced and the opportunities that I will have even past the band and stuff, but as a result of the band, but I'd be lying if like, I don't wake up with like anxiety sometimes, you know, often, you know, writing for writing for TV and film, you're, you're flexing like a way different muscle and, there's not a time where I'm not sitting, start writing something where I'm like, fuck, am I just in over my head? And the answer is probably yes, but fuck it. Let's, you know, let's per- let's push through. It's the only thing you can do right now. Well, instead of continuously dwelling on what everyone has talked about at nausea. But I mean, but I, I do think it's an important thing because like that anxiety that like, you know, there is just like, I get that uncertainty about everything. But if we agree that like, Someone like Dr. Fauci, his opinion on where things are is a good way of gauging things. And he's saying that, you know, shows could happen by the fall. That's cool. Buckle down and like, let's get everyone healthy and vaccinated. And let's, you know, get back to ripping some shows. That's something that I think is important to not just have like false hope, but actual like memories of things that you've done pulling from like when Fauci says, okay, shows can happen again in the fall. I like to think about the things that I I've done. Like I've, I've played shows. I've been a part of shows. I've seen shows. I've traveled. I've, you know, had a lot of good experience with friends and family. And I can pull from these experiences that make me just so excited to get back to this, this thing that we do as humans interacting in real life without a mask in front of one another. We're built for it, man. And so I think that's, you're right that, you know, having some, something to, to hold on to, you know, if it's Fauci saying shows open in fall or a promise of a trip in 2022, whatever that is, I think that's really important. Yeah. I think, um, I think it is important. I think it's like you also said, it's important for us to be honest with ourselves and not like delude ourselves into something, you know, cause like the week before he said that I was just like, Oh man. I thought maybe shows weren't going to happen. Like the whole vaccine rollout and everything has just been a fucking mess, but you know, what a difference a week with the new administration can make. And, you know, that's without getting too into a political thing. Like um, it's just, I, I have to think it could be better, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So at least like, at least maybe this vac, you know, getting people the right information and, and, uh, just some adults in the room can get us back to some living. Well, dude, what, what do you, um, what, when someone asks you like, what are some of the favorite, some, some of your favorite shows or some of the ver- favorite tours you've done, what is something that you pull from, you know, with saves the day or, or whoever, can you think of some really exciting times on the road or shows you've played? Yeah. With saves, there's, there've been, you know, like the first time that, we went to Europe, like with when after Rod and I had joined the band. Um, that trip was really special. We um, we played that festival in Belgium called Gros Rock. Uh, we headlined the second stage, and then we played the next day in Berlin with Thursday and the Descendants, and that's where we met the Descendants. And now we're like friends with the Descendants, which is fucking weird to say still, but they're the best dudes ever. And um, and then we went to uh, uh, to England to London and played the show at the Electric Ballroom which is, you know, one of my favorite rooms. It's in Camden, just awesome part of, of London. And that was one of my favorite shows. 
lot of the overseas stuff we've done, I've, I've really enjoyed. But like recently, we just did those through being cool 20th anniversary, right? <laughs> uh, long time. Uh, those those shows we did in, two, in late 2019, and those were so much fun. Like that, you know, so it's good that like, you know, the first, the, that, that first tour I mentioned was 2011. And then you talk about something in 2019. There've been a lot of great moments in between. I spent a few years touring with Craig Finn, still do that off and on and hopefully we'll again in the future. And we did a tour uh, supporting Japan droids. And that was just such a blast. Like all the rooms we were playing, it was just the two bands, all the rooms we were playing were incredible. It was like multiple nights in cities. So like, you know, we just get like an Airbnb and be like chilling and, New York or DC or Toronto for like multiple days and just getting the hang and, you know, but the shows were great. The hang, you know, just, so that's one I, um, was very memorable when says went to Mexico too. Like that was one that was a special one. And I'm excited for the stuff that hopefully happens at the end of the year. I, I can't wait to like announce it. Cause I feel like people are going to flip out cause some of it's like really fucking cool. Um, but yeah, so we're just all hopeful that some of it or all of it happens. Are, are you seeing the guys from the band? We don't live in the same city. So it's other than like a, like calls here and there. I talk to Rodrigo somewhat regularly, but he's got a one-year-old and that occupies a lot of his time. And, and, you know, Chris is doing his thing in Chico, but we all, we all catch up every once in a while, but there hasn't been like, you know, there wasn't really like a, like we were doing the Patreon thing for a while and we were probably going to, we'll, maybe bring that back in some form, but I think we just have to figure out like how to do that. That feels good to us. It pulls you, it can, it's tough because you're creating content. It's fun to have that interaction, but like sometimes like, you know, the work involved in creating all that content is like pulling you away from what you'd rather be creating. Exactly. And then you're just like, and then that's just more creative energy that you've burned. I don't know, maybe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy to say that this episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a service that musicians use to put music into online stores and streaming services. These include iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, even TikTok, and many, many more. With DistroKid, you can quickly and easily distribute your music for as little as $19.99 a year. And check this out. You keep 100% of your earnings and you get unlimited uploads for one yearly fee. And to make things even easier, you can split the earnings between you and your bandmates. So when that pesky little bass player of yours gives you a hard time about not giving him his share, tell him to relax and say, DistroKid's got this. So do yourself a favor and get started today. Go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash stateside and get 7% off your first year's membership. Or your strong had a pretty, pretty successful holiday show. And I put that in parentheses because it was really a holiday special that they filmed ahead of time. And I mean, they like went all out on production. Yeah. Light production. I mean, they hired a, a director, a bunch of cameras, and it was really, really well done. Like super funny and thoughtful. And then they streamed that live, and you had to purchase a ticket to get access to that that live stream. 
and it did really really well like they paid back whatever it cost to make it will putney mixed the thing and and alan day obviously the guy i manage of course engineered it and so it went really well man so you know there's really creative ways to do things right now do you still think do you think people are burned out on the live stream well the difference being with that one specifically is it wasn't a live show live stream right so it was like a, a special it was like a comedy bit and then they would play and then they'd pan back to the the bit and then they yeah i could see those guys really pulling that off well that's funny they're a bunch of goofballs yeah totally but to answer your question yeah the the live stream thing i i personally don't really dig it all that much there's not a whole lot there for me someone like me the thursday one recently looked cool um yeah, it's better than nothing man it's better than nothing yeah i think it's easier like when you're at least in the same town <laughs> We probably could have done some cool shit were that the case, but we're so spread out. And anytime we kind of got, had that conversation about like figuring out how to make it happen, it just, it just gets, it just got complicated, you know, with quarantining and, and, and all that. So, you know, and just the, the financial, you know, I think, yeah, I think we would have been able to sell some, some tickets and stuff for it, but yeah. Well, to pivot to some other stuff that you work on, you you mentioned up front to to the people listening that you do some film composing more tv now but i'm looking to transition more into film what about that do you like and how did you get started into that around the time that saves was taking a break in 2015 um prior prior to that prior to saves the day i was in a band called eons uh with with a couple of friends from uh, richmond virginia and and rodrigo who's also in saves and the singer who's one of my my nearest and dearest friends he started a commercial music house with some other Richmond dudes who were in other great Richmond bands. Um, pretty early on, they were able to win some, some cool gigs and, and uh, the, the company just kind of blew up from there. And around the time that I was, um, I was set, you know, getting, you know, like I'd been in Nashville for a couple of years and I had this, I got this uh, access to the studio space and so I was like, I want to get it, you know, I want to learn how to do this. And um, they, they brought me on, they were like, you know, letting me work on, they, they just started putting me on jobs early. And then I started winning a couple and um, showing that like, I'm getting the hang of it. But I was only getting engaged on like certain types of jobs, like very like rock focused jobs. And I'm like, I want to do the other stuff. Like that's, you know, that's the challenge. And like, so um, they eventually brought me on as a staff composer. And so that was the opportunity where I got to work on everything. And I learned how to um, score the picture. In a parallel path with that, I was also learning how to engineer and mix because I wanted to make my productions better, which then became a thing of like, oh, maybe I'll produce and mix some records. And I know I got some opinions about songs, like why the fuck not? So, uh, and that led, I had a conversation very, just a very organic thing. I was talking to Dan Sanshaw from EBR and he was like, oh, I got a great band for you to work with. And that's how I ended up working with Better Off, which was just an incredible experience. And I'm just still stoked on how that record sounds. But that was the, you know, so it's funny, like I was like learning all the engineering and producing stuff, mostly for composing, but I found that I was getting some enjoyment from that as well. But I, so as this, you know, so as leading up to 2020, I was literally doing two things. I, I, I was off staff at uh, that company, Black Iris, as of 
2018, but I was still freelancing for them and some other, some other companies as well. It might've been sooner than 2018. Um, I don't even know when, when it is. So when this past year happened though, I kind of just was, I knew that like, I didn't want to just be stuck doing ad music. And uh, the goal was always for me to get into TV and film. And I just kind of had forgotten that, that that was the, what I wanted it to be a stepping stone to. So, you know, I just, I had some, you know, so I made some calls. I know Matt's uh, Matt Mahaffey's wife, we did a benefit show together um, covering a descendant song, oddly enough. And uh, yeah, we became fast friends and she introduced me to Matt and then, you know, they brought me on to work with them. So I've been able to do, get into more TV stuff. And then I've got, you know, other friends just, I just through from growing up or through, I've met through the band uh, are in, in film. And, and I think when some live action stuff starts up again, I might have some opportunities with that. So it's, it's cool. I'm excited to, to go down that, you know, I feel even with the anxieties of like, sitting down and being like, Oh man, am I going to have an idea for this? And then, you know, you just kind of start and you do the work and then everything's okay. Usually sometimes they make you do it over. Well, and you know, scoring to picture is a very unique way of being creative and it's a unique way of writing music. Cause if you write music, say for saves the day or your own thing or whatever it is, you're you're going you're coming from a more personal place you know your experience or at least our experience but when you're you're scoring to picture yeah you're running it through the filter of what you know and what you feel but you're also doing it to the theme to the picture so it's it's sure it's a hired gun situation you are a you're a mercenary musician you're there to do a job for a certain theme and a vibe so I find that endlessly fascinating that you can, uh, it's such an important part of film and television. I think the thing I realized too, was that with advertising, I was just doing it for the money. It's not like, not high art. You know, I don't, I get, I get the satisfaction I get from it is the craft of it. And just like, you know, wanting to win jobs. And um, it was funny that this year kind of just being like, I, you know, maybe I don't want to do this. Then I started winning a lot more. But I guess that's how that works. That said, I feel like with with more TV and film stuff, yeah, you're 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 catering to some you're you're working on somebody else's art. But like I can I can look at a at a at a piece or a part that I'm writing or a cue and like think like oh this can actually like you know this needs to feel emotion you know like think of how much movie uh, music adds to the movies we love. You're bringing your art to the table very collaborative you know because it, you're yeah you know because you and i had kind of talked off air a little bit about uh some of your hesitations to to just be like a hired engineer you know i'll just track a band because they pay me and it's like that's not really the most fun part about what you do yeah you know it's more enjoyable for you to be a collaborative member a, a co-creator on something so i think scoring for tv and film for you makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, with producing in particular, I think the realization I had was I like doing it in that same way where it's collaborative, where I feel like it's something that I'm a part of, you know, I'm not just helping somebody else's songs, which is also fun. There is, you know, 
all that stuff has made me a better composer. But like I, when I got back this year and I was just, just back into, cause all of 2019, I don't think I worked on anything, any scoring stuff. I was just producing and mixing and touring. And, um, and then this year I was just composing and I, it was a noticeable how much better I was because of all that other stuff I had been doing. Like my sounds were better. My, like my top, my quickness was like, I was faster. Um, you know, I felt like, yeah. So it just felt like my, the things I was like, the productions just sounded more authentic. You know, somebody was like, make this sound like Bell and Sebastian. Like, yeah, I can do that and make it sound like needle drop. But in 2017 or 2018, I don't think it was as good. I listened back, back to some of that stuff and I'm like, yeah, there was definitely like a breakthrough that happened, which is nice at this, at, at this age. <laughs> well, I'll still encourage you to, to keep uh, producing as much as you can. Cause for one, I think you're great at it. And I also, I appreciate that. There's, there's records. I'll definitely like, you know, the vibe is right. Let's let's go. You can totally do the John Feldman thing. You know, you can decide for yourself how you want to be a producer. And the rule is you work with a rune. This is how it is. I'm a collaborator. I'm going to get in the trenches with you. I actually want to arrange with you. I want to actually uh, possibly co-write with you. And so as long as that's the standard and people know, okay, this isn't just a guy that's going to track our music, document our ideas. And there's nothing wrong. There's a lot of people who like being the guy that just documents other people's ideas and they're good at that. That's the job. They want. And they just boom, boom, boom. They turn them out and they make great money and they love it. And that's something to be proud of. But if for you, it's more of like, I want to be a, a member in this project in some collaborative capacity, then you can decide that for yourself. And I, I'm just, you know, encouraging you. I'm keeping you on air. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I mean, like, you know, it's cool that, you know, if, for instance, if we wanted to record a saves a day single tomorrow or whenever we can, we can, or like, you know, like I feel good in my abilities to like get that done, like internally, you know, and with the other stuff I'm going to be working on, like, I'm excited to like wear, yeah, wear those hats. And again, I think if, if, if it's the right situation, like, yeah, I'm never going to, you know, at this point, like, you know, I don't want to like, you know, rule anything out ever. Like everything just changes. You just have to like, how do you adapt? All this is just adapting, you know, like this year, ha like last year, well, everything, the rug got pulled up. How am I going to adapt? Like, you know, because it's not like I'm sitting on like millions of dollars where I could just, you know, sit at home and, and afford to wait it out. I got bills to pay. So this is how I make the living though. And I had to figure out how to a adapt, but also financially, but also in a way that I felt like it was going to make me happy. Cause just to do something for the paycheck is like weird. It lasts so long, you know, you can do it for a while and you're like, all right, I'm making money. I'm paying the bills. That's something that is important that has to matter. Like my best, like, you know, some of my best years were like when I was doing a lot of that commercial stuff and I was winning and some of those like residuals are, are, are bananas but like creatively i was just like this is stupid <laughs> i don't like i don't i don't know i mean i again i take pride in like the work and like doing a good job but it's not high art um well you and i are the type of people that often talk about music 
for so long because it's what we love and we we like to pretend that there's nothing else in the world but music oddly enough i don't know if you knew this arun there actually is other interests and people care about other things uh yeah could you share with our our wonderful audience some of the things that you enjoy outside of the music industry i'm a massive hockey fan that's something that i have missed so much it's great that i can watch it now there is some hockey happening here like people are playing but i'm waiting i'm just you know at this point like i'm just gonna wait to get the vaccine and then i'll go back out and go to the gym get back in shape and stuff but i really miss skating <laughs> i daydream about it I've been growing my hair out and everything. I've got this great flow now, like the back of my helmet. You're just going to be mesmerized. I'm going to look like a Indian yogurt out there. Got the hockey hair. What is it about punk rock and hardcore music? Any, anything that's even similar to this, to that genre that brings so many hockey fans, like the, the violent gentleman hockey club right. that's ran by the dude that manages every time I die and a bunch of, it's so bizarre. I've always thought that was funny that people, in the in rock community seem to love hockey that's that's or soccer or soccer <laughs> or, or jujitsu which is what i do <laughs> yeah i i didn't realize until when i did warped in 2014 i was really surprised like just how many bands like you mentioned every time i die like i remember like the ghost inside dudes were big hockey fans like story so far um so so we'd have a lot of conversations about like the teams we love and yeah, Four Year Strong's drummer has a drum set made up as the the hockey rink in Boston, the, the Boston Bruins. TD, the TD Garden, yeah. To the dimension of whatever the the rink is, I don't know anything about hockey, but that's something. I have <laughs> a good friend of mine is now playing on the Boston Bruins, so I have a reason to root for the Bruins. One of my favorite documentaries ever made is the Broad Street Bullies about the Philadelphia Flyers in the seventies. So brutal. Those guys were out of their goddamn minds. Real tough guys. But prior to helmets, you know, like the 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 heyday of the enforcer. These dudes who were just hired to box. That's what they did for the team. They could barely skate. They could barely play hockey. Their yeah. entire role was to rough up the other team. It is a tough sport. I mean, compared to like you see like, you know, you'll always see those like side by sides people show like people flopping in other sports like basketball or even soccer uh, in football. And in hockey, you don't see that. You see guys like, well, there are players that have taken dives, but like, you know, you'll see dudes blocking 100 mile an hour slap shots and then trying to finish their shift. And like, you know, it's just they, they even call it a shift. Yeah, right. <laughs> I never thought of that. It's very working class. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, all right. You're out there, you know, in 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 mostly in like a, a pro league. You're you know, a shift is you know typically like 30, 45 seconds. I've always thought I was like a, a hockey fan waiting to happen. I know I would love it. You got a team coming to Seattle. It's kind of close. Okay, we got the Portland Winterhawks. They're like the, I don't know what league that is. AHL probably. Yeah, so you got the Seattle Kraken. It's the new expansion teams. That is amazing. Okay, lightning round real quick here. All right. Uh, one of your favorite movies. Uh, the Godfather. Yeah, good man. Good for you. One and two. Yeah, and then three just takes a dive. I have to talk about three, but there's actually like, um, it was on HBO for a while. They, they called it the Godfather Epic, where they took one and two, but put it in chronological order. 
And I watched the whole thing once and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I heard about it. I never saw it. It's really weird and cool. It's a very interesting way to watch it if you if you're used to it the other way. But I'm sure I don't know if it's on on demand, but yeah, it's uh they call it the Godfather Epic. So good. I heard that there's going to be a new version of 3, like a new edit. That's a po- I'm 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 not sure how it's what the deal is, but I've heard some something about that. Oh, that's interesting. I would like to see that. Yeah. So, I didn't get I th- but I think The Godfather is a perfect movie. I do too. Uh, that that and Goodfellas. For me, I, I'm a huge Goodfellas fan. I like The Departed more than Goodfellas. Also, I mean, anything Scorsese, really. I think just because I lived, I lived in Boston for three years, so I had like there was just a lot of, you know, those guys things about that that I found. Yeah, yeah. Irish American jerks. <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, so if you could have a dream, your favorite meal. If you could have the best meal ever, like what type of food does Arun dig? It'd be Indian food. It'd probably be my mom's. Okay. You son of a bitch. I'm so jealous of that. Yeah. My mom. Yeah. I can't wait to go see that. See her and just pig out. Is that back in Detroit? That is. Oh, can you, so describe that. What would, what would that be like? What would that, what kind of food is that? She makes really good dosas and sambar. Her doll's really good. Uh, yeah. Chana masala, matur paneer samosas vegetarian yes it is that's the best type of vegetarian i think in my i was raised vegetarian right yeah but i didn't actually like indian food a lot growing up because my mom would just make all this bland south indian stuff all then i just out of nowhere i feel like she just started making this other indian stuff and i was like where has this been the whole time (laughs) i think i also got like a, a, a my my taste for spice well, dude, we've been doing this for nearly an hour now. What would you like the people to know? Is there anything you want to plug? Any Anything that you want the stateside audience to know about? I would just say to all the stateside listeners and musicians and everyone, producers, engineers, to just, just fucking hang in there and try to take take time for yourself and your mental health. And just, this is a tough, weird period and... There's a lot of support out there if you reach out and if you need it. Yeah. And then just like for me, like I think this year is just just trying to get everything back, like get working back on my feet and stuff. Um, I'll be excited to announce some things when I can announce it, but I can't. But I, you know, I'm excited for some saves today stuff that will hopefully happen at the end of the year. And I'm sure as we get into this new year, we'll start making those announcements. And then, uh, I'm hoping that I started this uh, project with um, Kaylee Goldsworthy and Rodrigo and uh, Ben Hamola from Group Love, and it's called Not In Love. And I'm pretty excited on those songs. So hopefully that'll that's something that'll materialize like when, when we can get together and record. But yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, just doing my thing. I love it, man. Wait until I can go skate and uh, let my hair just flawed in the wind and i've basically been growing it out until i i need to play a gig this is the longest it's been since i was like probably like 11 yeah i bet i bet that's so crazy dude i was blessed that's you know aside from good cooking my mom blessed me with her hair jeans so uh smoke if you got them (laughs) at this age one last thing before i let you go i think i mentioned up front that i'm a giant self fan and that band is like seventh grade, eighth grade era for me. 
and, and certainly after that, but that's where it all started. And I, I've only met like a handful of people that are like in my circle that knew who they were, you know, outside like my really close friends. So the fact that you a are a, a fan of self and you work with Matt is just so cool. Self was like one of the most genius pop artist names. So good. When I went to go meet with him to discuss working with them, like before I we got into anything, I was like, "All right, we're gonna talk about breakfast with girls here for a minute." <laughs> yeah, for and because uh, I gotta tell you, <laughs> that record for me it was a uh, yeah. So it was uh, and just Marjorie and like it's been cool to get a glimpse into like how he does, you know, the way he. I didn't realize that he's like a drummer, which makes sense now listening back to some of that stuff. Where I'm, oh yeah, this is like super drum heavy, but the way he hears. The way his progressions move, it's just, he's, you know, his scoring stuff. I mean, I'm in a, yeah, it's an incredible, it's incredible just as a fan of the band, but also like the stuff I'm learning from him as a composer. Like, yeah, it's cool. Plus he's just a a hell of a guy. That's good to hear. I've always wondered what type of guy. Nice dude. Oh yeah. He's just a fucking sweetheart. I always thought that he, what if I was just like, oh, he's just, he's a great, great artist. Just a fucking dick. (laughs) The worst guy. No, it's that's that's not true. He's 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 amazing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like Beck. I I'm not the biggest Beck. Yeah. Fan. I've just ne- I don't something about Beck. I I don't know why it just never hooked me. There's certainly a- Matt toured with Beck. Well, I know that, and I also know that I always thought that Matt easily could have been that. Like Beck, if you just kind of flip flop them for me, I think Self is a b- way better version of that. Like a, a genius kind of trip hoppy, uh, uh, like pop sensation kind of artist that I, I always thought I was always surprised that it didn't get bigger than it did. You know, I, I'm just such a yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. Like I remember, um, yeah, when Jiz Madri came out, we were like, like my buddies, like my buddy and I were like, like so enamored with just like the toy instruments that like made this record and just like. Like you did that, like you just took toy instruments and you made this like cool record and you did that What a Fool Believes cover and yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. He'll be psyched. He'll be psyched to hear that. I'll tell him for sure. Awesome. You are the best. I appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. 
If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!